0: The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, good morning. Boy, that is, that is so true. You know, life is filled with a lot of trials and a lot of tribulations, and things will hit us in ways that uh, sometimes we're, we're pretty shocked. The truth of the matter is, for many of us, or for some of us anyway, when we come to know Christ, we think, well, our lives now will look very different. I put my faith in Jesus, and faith in Jesus means that life will no longer have these struggles. Life will no longer have those problems. Life will be very different. And we tend to look at God much like the novelist Alison Lurie, and we tend to want to look at our lives like most of her characters. Uh, She's a novelist from Chicago. She wrote, I want them all to have happy endings, although I realize that this isn't true to life, but I get attached to my characters, and I really don't want to do them in. She said, I think it's significant that the only book of hers that achieved a significant award, and by that she meant the Pulitzer Prize for uh, Foreign Affairs, she said, it was the only book in which I killed off the major character. Somehow tragedy attracts awards, and comedy does not. And so, a lot of times, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we think, I shouldn't have to go through tough times. I shouldn't have to go through struggles. I shouldn't have to deal with those kinds of things. And yet, what we're discovering in the book of James is that there's a very real purpose here. Matter of fact, the whole thing, Doug started it last week, and one of the key verses here is, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trials. So, how in the world can those two words go together, joy and trial? Well, last week, we discovered a number of reasons. First of all, we discovered in verses 3 to 4 that trials are a way to spiritual maturity. Not only do trials prove our faith, they improve our faith. Secondly, we discover that trials cause us, in verses 5 to 8, to depend on God. And then finally, in verses 9 to 11, we also found out that trials, because life is passing away, they validate the very thing that we're pouring our lives into. They remind us that this is not our home, and it validates what we're giving our attention to. Today, we're going to discover another reason to count it all joy when you go through a lot of different kinds of trials and tribulations. So, here it is, it's verses 12 to 18. Let's let's honor God by reading His Word together. Let's all stand up, and let's read verses 12 to 18 in James chapter 1. "'Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial.' and when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Thanks so much. And uh, go ahead and have a seat. And you're going to discover that this passage deals with, we could translate it trial, it's the same word, or we could translate it tribulation, and the, the temptation part, the temptation part is something that has been one of mankind's oldest problems. It goes all the way back to Adam, we all face it, and so therefore, James begins that we should all cry out to God and ask God for wisdom in faith without doubting. So, what's going to make a difference in the way we face trials, difficulties, temptations is the faith that we have in God, and we ask God for wisdom so that we can approach these things with faith. It reminds me of a guy who was working for a CEO, very successful CEO. So, he, the, this manager went to his office, and he asked me, says, what's the secret of your success? And the CEO said, well, it's been wise decisions. He said, well, how, how did you get to the point where you could make wise decisions? He said, experience. Well, how, how then did you get the experience? Dumb decisions. And <laughs> now, what the Bible would say is life is way too short to have to learn through dumb decisions. Instead, as we're going to look in Proverbs coming up starting on Thursdays, we're going to discover that uh, it's far better to learn and then live than to have to live first and then learn through a bunch of dumb decisions. So we need, by faith, to come to God and ask for His wisdom to approach these trials or tribulations in life. Now, when we read the passage you're going to see that word translated trials. You're going to see the same word translated temptation. It's one word. Prasmos is the word. And even though the word is exactly the same, the translator will look at the context and they will, dis- they will determine where is the authorship of this trial or temptation and what is the intended effect once they understand the intended effect then they'll pick the appropriate word for example they'll use the word trial most of the time if it's something that is either designed by or allowed by god to cause us and to help us to grow for example first corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 on the other hand a translator will pick the word temptation for the very same word if it's designed by an outside force like Uh, our flesh, the world, the devil, to cause us to drive us away from God. So that's the choice of these two words. They're both events in life. God can use either one of these events in life. Now, obviously, he's not the author of the temptation, the one who would choose to drive us away. He would allow or design uh, trials of various kinds, however, to cause us to grow to maturity, to draw us to Him, to help us depend on Him. So I think that's going to help you in the long run as you read through the New Testament and you'll see these words and you'll wonder, well, I'm not sure how it all adds up. That's how it adds up, okay? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast or who perseveres under, here it could either be, under a trial or under temptation. For when that person has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So notice what he says. He says, blessed, makarios, happy. Happy is the man who, when they approach these situations in life, that it could either drive you to God or away from God, you withstand the test, you're the one who will receive the, and it's a genitive case, the crown, which is life itself. So James starts by saying, consider it joy when you face these things. Here he says, happy is the person who faces these things. When you are the one, when you approach it correctly, you will receive the very crown, which is life itself. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, Jesus said. But I have come, that you might have, same thing, this life, this crown, which is life, and the joy and the happiness that comes along with it. Now, and I know when people read John 10.10, I've come that you might have life, have it to the full, we tend to want to interpret that through the lens of Alison uh, Lurie. We go, oh, Alison Lurie, just like her characters, That means God doesn't want me to struggle. God doesn't want me to go through a hard time. God doesn't want me, like Stephanie, to have a heart condition. God doesn't want me to ever get sick. God doesn't want me to ever, you know, etc. And that's just not true. It's just not true. So, the question is then, this passage tells us, how can I win, how can I get through and experience this joy and experience this happiness to receive the crown of life when I go through these things in life that could be called trials or temptations? How can I do it? How can I win there? That's what this passage is all about. So, we're going to discover, how can I win when I face these things to enjoy the crown of life, happiness, joy, and therefore, how must I deal with this whole topic of temptation? This passage answer answers uh, those questions, which is absolutely awesome. Number one, real quickly, you better be be realistic about it. Let no one say when he is tempted. I'm being tempted by God, for God can't be tempted with evil. So, in that case, accurate translation of that word. He himself, he's he's not going to come up with anything to drive you away from himself, okay? But he's saying, let no one say when he is. He's saying, it's going to happen. It will happen. To every single person, this is going to happen. This, isn't an, this is not an Allison Laurie no- novel. He is out to do you in, okay? I remember when I, was, when I first graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary, I finally found one church in the entire United States that wanted me to come. So I went. There was only six people. <laughs> and one of the guys in this church, all of a sudden I realized, this person doesn't believe he sins anymore. I mean, specifically said it. He said, you know, I used to sin, so I would look up to Jesus, trust Jesus, and now, thank the Lord, I no longer sin. I'm no, I'm no longer tempted, and I no longer sin. Well, listen, I'll tell you what. I, I was raised in the bayous of Louisiana, and there's a guy down there by the name of Boudreaux. Boudreaux put it this way. He said, that's what you get when you cross an alligator with an abalone. That's a crock of bologna. No, that's what... <laughs> That's what that is. That's a crock of baloney. Let me just tell you, uh, you are going to be tempted. But the truth of the matter is, as you're tempted, in either way, either tested or tempted, in either way, God can use this in your life to help you to grow. Doug, cover that in verses 3 to 5 in James chapter 1. It's going to help you grow to maturity in those areas. And as you grow to maturity, as you're tested, as you're tempted, uh, you are going to be changed. And perhaps in some areas that temptation won't remain as strong as it once was. It won't have the same grip on your life that it once did in certain areas. And that's true. Otherwise, James one three to five isn't true. Otherwise, you get to Second Corinthians chapter three, where Paul says, "We're all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed." into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who's the Spirit. So as you grow in Christ, you're transformed. The whole purpose is for us to, grow, to depend on God more, to be transformed more and more to His image. But at the same time, don't ever get to where that person was because the Bible clearly warns us, Therefore, let everyone who thinks he stands, you had better take heed, lest you will fall. One of my favorite stories from Dallas Seminary was one, one of my, Stan Saint. one of my favorite pros would tell the story when he was just a student years ago. The founder of Dallas Seminary, Lewis Barry Chafer, stood up as an older man in front of the entire student body of Dallas Seminary. And he, he prayed, he said, oh God, please spare me from being a dirty old man. And that's what he was doing. Let anyone... Th- who thinks he stands, you take heed lest you fall. That's exactly what happened to Peter in the boat in Matthew chapter 14 with all the winds and the waves. Uh, The second he took his eyes off of Jesus, down he went. So yes, you will get stronger. Yes, there are going to be a lot of areas in your life that you're no longer going to feel that intense pull that you felt as a new Christian. But don't for one second think, oh, got that one conquered, lest you fall. So, the biblical injunction is you had better be on guard. So, Peter would say you don't be surprised by these fiery trials that come upon you to test you like it's something strange. Or he says later in chapter 5, you had better be sober-minded, be watchful, don't be filled with arrogance and pride. Your adversary, the devil, I mean, we have an enemy. There's a devil anyway who, who will want to drive you away from God, devour you. So, God does provide the way of escape. No temptation has overtaken you or seized you, except what is, underscore that word, common to man, to mankind. God, He's faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you're tempted, He's going to provide a way out so that you can endure that. In that case, you could think of the the word test, okay? If it's something to drive you away from God, He's going to want you to flee. If it's something where He's using that to develop you to become more like Him, it will to help you endure through the test, okay? Um, But it's common to mankind, so don't be shocked by it. Uh, Don't be surprised. Uh, Don't try and hide. Be realistic. Admit it. Admit it. It's not a sin to go through trials, hard times, or temptation. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So, it's not a sin uh, to be tempted. It is a sin to give in to it. So, let me ask you, why in the world would the devil want to derail us I'll tell you, the answer is real simple. Do you think for one second the devil wants you to experience joy in the midst of the difficulties of life? Do you think for one second the the devil would want you to experience happiness in the midst of trials, difficulties, heartaches of life? Absolutely not, because you know what happens? If all of a sudden it derails us and we lose our joy, we lose our happiness, we lose our commitment, we lose our influence, what happens to our mission? Love God, love others, serve the world. What happens to our mission? It derails the mission. But just think in the midst of trials and, and hard times and tribulations, think how many times you've been inspired by by God victoriously taking through pe- people through very hard times in life. I mean, it does nothing but it increases our appreciation for God and who He is. All it does is draw us to others and gives us a greater opportunity uh, to serve the world. So, be realistic. Secondly, you be responsible. Uh, You accept that responsibility. Don't blame other people. We see that. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God can't be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. You don't Blame other people. You know, I know I've said it before. The way you spell blame—be lame. That's how. That's what blame is. Being lame. You know, I was going through this text and it hit me because you know, with my my son going through school now it sort of reminding me of all this and I was thinking back 40 years ago when I was going through school and I never had a great relationship with my father uh, some of you have heard the story but it hit me this past week and I remember uh, getting Cheryl up early in the morning and sitting down on the bed bringing her coffee sitting down on the bed next to her and, and the whole thing and going through this passage and thinking about all this you know I said, I said Cheryl you know I've never Forgiven my dad for this. I am, I'm blaming my dad for something. And well, it, was just a, it was just such a an insight, such a relief for me finally to be able to release my dad from this tyranny that I was holding him under. Instead of taking responsibility, look, it was my choice. This was my choice. It had nothing to do with my father. So it was just so wonderful uh, to take responsibility, uh, not to blame. We live in a whole society of blaming others. We blame our parents. Uh, We blame students around us. We blame, if we're a Republican, we blame the Democrats. If we're a Democrat, we we blame the Republicans. Everybody blames the president. Everybody blames, you know, we just blame, blame, blame. We blame the environment. We blame our heredity. We blame the devil. We blame, we blame God. So that's being lame. It's just a symptom of immaturity. So take responsibility. Quit, quit doing what Will Rogers used to say. Will Rogers used to say American history could be summarized by two great movements, the passing of the buffalo and the passing of the buck. So don't do what Will Rogers used to say. He said, everybody wants to pass the buck. So be responsible. Realistic, responsible. Thirdly, get ready get ready. And this is so important here because it tells us how, if we're going to win over temptation, you've got to understand the, the mechanics of it so we can get ready for it, okay? Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, and then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. So James is yelling out, look, don't be deceived, Peter would have said it this way, gird your minds for action. Jesus would have said, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Paul would have said, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand. In other words, be on your guard, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. We're, we're not, so we're not ignorant of his desires, so we've got to be prepared we we can't be ignorant of his schemes how he works therefore let everyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall so if i'm going to be if i'm going to be ready I need to know, okay, what are His schemes? What do I need to be ready for? And that's what I love about God's Word. God's Word is so clear. It tells us exactly how it happens, and here's how it happens. This is how temptation works in these, these four things that James says in verses 14 to 15. The first one, it starts with desire. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own lust. So it begins with desire. It's an inside job. Now, listen, most desires are very normal. Most desires are created by God to bring Him glory. They're appropriate, they're holy, they're good, they're normal, and you can't live without them. Let me ask you is it a normal desire to drink? Uh, of course. If you don't drink, you die. It's a normal desire to eat. It's a normal desire to sleep. It's a normal desire to love and to have friends. It's a normal desire to want to provide for your family. It's a normal desire we find in Ecclesiastes to invest for the future, to diversify. All these are very normal desires. It's a normal desire to reproduce sexual desires. They're, what we find out in James, they're good and perfect gifts that come from above, coming down from the Father of lights. But any of these desires, if they get pushed to the point where they become out of the boundary of what God designed and out of control, all of a sudden we discover that they become very destructive. So we have the world, the flesh, the devil, something wants us to We have an enemy that wants us to lose joy, lose happiness, lose the crown of life, so these enemies come and they push to get these desires out of control, to take God-given desires and to make them runaway desires. So instead of the desire to to drink, you know, it's now it's (laughs) to get drunk, or instead of the desire to eat, it's the desire to, you know, just... Way, way overindulged. Instead of the desire to make money to take care of my family, now it's the love. The love of money becomes the root of all evil etc. So it, it, it becomes just like that. So temptation is taking a very legitimate desire, a God-given legitimate desire, and accelerating it to the point where it's totally out of control and fulfilling, fulfilling it in the wrong way and at the wrong time. It's, he distorts both time and target. John Owen, right, brilliant guy, 1600s, um, Oxford University, written, geez, tons of stuff. He's written the Mortification of Sin is one good book, another good book. that's actually been retranslated by Justin Taylor from, from Bethlehem Baptist Church on uh, The Consequences of Sin and Temptation, really good book. Basically, John Owen says this. It's the confluence uh, of these two forces, the two forces of, let's just call it, fear and attraction. And by fear, it would be the confluence of there's the truth of the Word of God and the fear of God, and then alongside comes attraction. So he says what happens is if you, take, if you diminish the truth of the fear of God and all that there's left is attraction, it will become, no matter what sphere you want to talk about, it'll become a fatal attraction. So we have Desire then we have deception. He is then lured, or it's a hunter's term. He uses a hunter's term, a hunterman's term, and a fisherman's term. He's lured, snared, or enticed. That's a fisherman's term um, to pull us away. In other words, if you want to catch a particular kind of fish, you got to use a particular kind of bait. And so all I'm saying is we're all different fish. So he's going to use, in all of our lives, something very different. And what's going to entice me is going to be very different from what's going to entice you. All it is, it's going to distort God's intention to get it out of bounds of what would bring him honor and glory, and give you joy and happiness and the crown of life. It just wants to push you out of those borders. So uh, there's a luring and an attraction, and it's got to use the right kind of bait to get you bite on the hook. So let's just take a fish swimming in the water. If you want to catch a particular kind of fish, you've got to use a particular kind of bait. You're not going to have a fish just swimming around. I mean, it's looking for a corn dog, but it can't find a corn dog. All it can find is a bear hook. Oh, good. There's a bear hook. I think I'm just going to clamp down on that bear hook. No, what fish is going to clamp down on a bear hook? Who's going who's gonna to look for a, a, a snare or a trap and go, oh, look, a trap. Let me step in it. <laughs> of course, it's, ri- it's ridiculous. So there are lures and enticements to get us to nibble, nibble, nibble. Well, let's just, and see, what happens is the pride, and this, you know, you take heed lest you fall because in our arrogance and in our pride, we think, oh, I'll just nibble around the hook. I'm a mature Christian. I can handle it. Just nibble, nibble, nibble. Nibble, nibble, nibble. And and we do this in life all the time. Just nibble. Nibble away. Oh, I know there's a hook there. I'm I'm a Christian. I know there's a hook, so I'll just nibble around it. And you know what James calls that attitude? What's the word? Anybody see it? Deceived. You're deceived. If you think you can play around the hook you're deceived so take it temptation always looks better than it really is it will deceive you there's a hook there number three desire deception number three disobedience. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. Can I give you three? I'm going to give you three different words because I think you'll be able to remember it really, really easily. Here they are. Attention, attitude, action. That's it. Attention, attitude, action. Anywhere you find somebody falling, anywhere in the Bible, you see attention attitude, action. If you were to turn, say, for example, to 2 Samuel chapter 11 with David and Bathsheba, attention, he saw her, attitude, he sent and inquired about her, action, he took her. Attention, attitude, action. You see that everywhere, those three things. So, or you could put it this way. What you flirt with you will fall for. Flirt. I'm, just, I'm not just saying, look. I'm just saying flirt goes from attention to attitude. Fall is the action. What you flirt with, you will fall for. Now let's, wives, if you're sitting next to your husband, you might want to say to your husband, or who you flirt with, you will fall for. It's either what or who. Could be, a, could be a what. Could be a who. Who you flirt with, you will fall for. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to turn to the person next to you. Hopefully, if you're married, turn to your spouse, okay? <laughs> and I want you to tell that person, I want them to tell it back to you. Who or what you flirt with, you will fall Right now, tell them. Turn to them and tell them. Okay, so wives, you can thank me after. Husbands, you can thank me as well. Okay. But you know what? I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it because this is true whether it be an affair or whether it be Trying to sell a product on TV, advertisement. It's all the same. You think of advertisement on TV, it's the same path. Attraction, any advertising. They want to get your attract they they want to attract you. Then they want to change your attitude to the product so that there will be action. You'll purchase it, right? So, an affair, selling something on TV, exactly the same, almost. No, the path. the path. Attraction, attitude, action. Okay, just remember that one. So, what's the end result step for death? When sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. So, why would he use the word death? It's because he's relating it to the very opposite of God's design for us, which is the crown of life. He's saying, hey, there is joy. There is happiness when you go through these things and come out on the other side and you experience the very crown of life. But if you don't follow that path and get pushed the other direction, the end result is the very opposite of joy and happiness and the crown of life. It's, it's death and then what happens to the mission? Loving God, loving others, and serving the world. Fourthly, so there's be realistic, be responsible, get ready, understand how it works, and then refocus. This is so important for us, get refocused. Because every good gift, every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Change. Um, if temptation begins with our inner thoughts, then that's where it's going to begin. It's change. So, the key to overcoming temptation is to allow that Holy Spirit to refocus our thoughts, change our attention, shift our mind. Or, as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4, look, change your mind. Whatever you start thinking about, whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, commendable, excellent praise, that's where you put your thinking. That's where you put it. In other words, put your mind on the very goodness of God. You know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So refocus. Don't just sit there trying to argue with the devil and seeing how in a deceived way seeing how close you can get to the hook if the devil calls drop the receiver be like joseph run take off running get away if you don't want to get stung get away from the hive this last week or 2 weeks ago I was mowing the grass and all of a sudden I got in the back back area I was mowing And I just was swarmed by yellow jackets. I got stung in the head, stung on the hands. And man, I ran from that hive. The hole in the ground was was probably four or five inches across. Uh, You don't want to get stung. You get away from the hive. Or as... um, Paul would say bad company corrupts good character so change the channel get out of the movie change jobs change the carpool get in get into the word get into prayer get into worship get into community get into accountability and then the last one after you refocus be reborn of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures and so let me just summarize it by saying look I'll really summarize, let me just really summarize it and say, you'll never be able to say no to temptation until you say yes to God. I'll say that one more time. You'll never be able to get through the trials and tribulations of life because life isn't like Alice and Laurie's novels. They're not fairy tales. You'll never be able to get through trials. You'll never be able to get through temptations until you say yes to God. So if you are here and if you've never taken that step of putting your faith, your trust in Jesus, I beg you, if you need to find out more information, please find out more information. I'll be up here, some others, uh, maybe if you're on staff or an elder, or maybe if you're on a leadership team, uh, if you can help answer these questions for anybody, please be available. We have the community. We have the connection counter out there. Ask somebody. Don't leave until you know how you can get connected to God. I'd love to help you. Others on staff would love to help you uh, do this. Secondly, if you are a believer, please understand there are going to be trials. There are going to be temptations. You're going to need help getting through them. That's why we have God's Word. No, first of all, just identify what area are you most vulnerable to. I mean, for you, it, it might look very different than it will look in somebody else's life. I thought of what illustration. I heard somebody, somebody called me. You know, we, we've had a lot of fluctuation in the stock market lately, right? And uh, so somebody called me. They were all upset. You know, hey, Charles Schwab, uh, sell everything, buy gold. You know, I'm thinking, how dumb. You know, I mean, honest truth, when you think about it, when you really think about it, does, does God want us to invest for our family? Absolutely. Does he say be diversified? Absolutely. Ecclesiastes 11.2. Uh, diversify seven, eight different ways because you know not what calamity will come up on the earth. So get diversified. So something happens. Everybody panics. And, uh, you know, you have to understand how, how deceived we are as, as character. Our wisdom is flawed. Our motivation is impure. Emotions are, impo- are, are powerful. Uh, vision is limited. So we need help. We need help. Whether it's a sexual temptation, whether it's a financial temptation, whether it be uh, food, uh, what, whatever it might be, we need help. So admit it to God and admit it to others. Folks, this is the beauty of being involved in, in some kind of group. I mean, we're really trying to get people connected in community, in community groups. This is, this is where you can articulate this. This is where you can have people pray for you. Admit it to God. Admit it to others. Uh, admit it to, to yourself. Um, and then refocus. Refocus on the Lord. Refocus on His truth. Refocus on His love for you. Refocus on His forgiveness for you and the power of the gospel. Speak the gospel into your life. How the gospel can forgive you and cleanse you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness, give you a fresh fresh start, give you that crown of life, give you back the joy, give you back the happiness that He wants you to have. And then the payoff is here. It is blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test. Either way, either the test of the temptation, he will receive the crown, which is life itself, which God has promised to those who love him. Well, you've got a lot to review. You've got your notes there. Boy, take it to your community group. I mean, it'd be a great discussion to go through this. Let's all stand up. We'll close with prayer. You might be here this morning and you feel like you're struggling. Again, I just want to say you're never going to be able to say no to temptation until you first say yes to God. So if you're here and if you've never put your faith, your trust in Jesus, this very second you could do that, you could just say, Jesus, I understand that you died on a cross for me to pay for my sin, to forgive my sin, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, to give me a fresh start. God, that's what I want. And there are other people who are here who would love to talk to you. Just take a moment before you leave, before you flee, and, and talk to somebody about your personal relationship with God. And then, and then secondly, you might be here hearing your believer struggling with something. Uh, I, I just pray for you that this passage would, would give you wonderful steps to sanctification. I pray... Uh, that that you would begin to identify and admit it, admit it to God, admit it to others, and then to refocus on uh, your gospel, on your grace, on your mercy, on your forgiveness, on your cleansing. Thank you for that. And uh, we just ask God that uh, you would help us this week uh, to live in a way that would reflect our love for you, that would be loving to others, and ultimately